the paddle is just such a good tool for technique. Uh, you know, you plant it and your your shoulders naturally rotate. It's the Paddle Woo Podcast. Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Paddle Woo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Today's guest, Will Taylor. He is the editor of Sup the Mag. Our discussion today is a stand-up paddle surfing discussion. We talk about the industry. We talk about events that Sup the Mag runs. We talk about what Will sees happening in the industry from his vantage point as the head of one of the largest magazines in the sport. And also what he sees the relationship between paddle surfing and surfing because his parent company also owns Surfer Mag and Surfing Magazine. So he has a unique window into surf versus paddle surf. And he explains that in the show today. All right, before we jump into the podcast, I have recently started what I'm calling the progression journal. And so about two weeks ago, I started journaling my daily surf sessions as a means to stay focused on dedicated practice. And so that is intentioned surfing every morning with a focus that I'm journaling as it is a much better avenue to improve skills. And so I decided to make that public and it has been received very well by the audience on paddlewoo.com. So go on over and check it out, especially if you are someone who is trying to improve your paddle surfing skill set. I think that you will find it very relevant. Two blog posts from this week that are getting the most attention are how to get more waves and make surfers like you in a lineup. I have had a ton of positive feedback. There's about 10 comments on that with people ringing in with their own strategies. And then also surf versus race stance and why you should adapt a surf stance in catching waves. So if you uh, are inclined to check that out, paddlewoo.com, P-A-D-D-L-E-W-O-O.com, go and check them out. All right, without further ado, Will Taylor. All right, Will Taylor, thank you very much for being on the Paddleboo Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? Excellent, man. Excellent. Um, to get things started off today, why don't you give a background of your history in the water and what led you to uh, the steps that led you to be become the editor for Sup the Mag? Yeah, no problem. Uh, that's a pretty easy one. I grew up in southern Oregon, um, beautiful stretch of coast, uh, kind of an unusual place for a surfer, uh, particularly the area where I grew up, uh, Pistol River is kind of a world famous uh, windsurfing spot. Um, their world tour holds a, a windsurfing uh, contest there every year so it's part of that so it's pretty renowned for that but that said it's a very small place my father who's a doctor he moved there to windsurf uh shoot i guess i don't know the date exactly but in the 70s um so yeah the windsurfing doctor and you know he windsurfed for 30 years and for whatever reason i just never really got into to windsurfing but Surfing was always something that I wanted to do. I think it's just, you know, I, I watched Endless Summer 2 when I was super young and I was just like, that looks like the coolest thing ever. I want that in my life. Um, so 
myself and my group of friends were the youngest people to ever start surfing in our hometown. Um, we were, you know, 13 or 14 when we really started getting into it. Um, so relatively old for a lot of places, but you know, there it was unusual. So you know, we had an older crew that was great that kind of brought us up and learning to surf there and the kind of pretty wild waves having surfed all over the world. Now it's pretty unusual spot to learn. It's pretty rugged, lots of changing sandbars and currents and animal life and stuff like that. Um, but you know, fantastic. It prepares you for, for the greater world. So, you know, I went to college, uh, at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo where I studied journalism. I, I surfed a lot while I was there. Um, I also spent quite a bit of time throughout those years, uh, like in kayaks, doing sea kayaking and uh, rafting in the rivers in Southern Oregon. Um, when I left college after studying journalism there, uh, I went to work as an intern at Outside Magazine um, and got into some mountain sports. Uh, I met my fiance out there, uh, stayed there for a while, rock climbed and snowboarded been a little time on the river but just less water time and then uh, you know I started working for this group uh, did a, a little bit for surfer uh, wrote for canoe and kayak and started working for joke Carberry at sup and uh, eventually there was a, a job opportunity I was traveling in Southeast Asia at the time and uh, yeah he, he kind of offered me a job as the associate editor uh, over here, and uh, I came over like three and a half years ago now, and uh, yeah, just really been focusing on the the paddle scene since then, and yeah, it's been nothing but great for me. So you have been you've been with something Mag now for three and a half years. How long have you been the Hefe? Uh, about a year now. Yeah, Joe left about a year ago. Um, it's been a really fun adjustment, kind of diving even deeper into the community than I was before. Um, it was a big year. We took over the Pacific Paddle Games uh, and all that, and you know it's it's challenging. But uh, you know, for me, it as long as I get on the water, I'm still good to go. And luckily, living here in Southern California, uh, I can still do that. I can still get out and surf pretty much every day or paddle or whatever and and to me you know it's like a definitely part of that work hard play hard class gotcha so i'm going to jump right into some questions some things that i'm interested in um from your vantage point as the editor of one of the largest magazines in the business and i don't know the metrics on on the magazines i don't know i don't know how that all works there but um what are you seeing as trends in the sport in the last three years since you've been there? Uh, well, you know, one easy one focusing on uh, sup surfing is definitely board design is, I feel like, definitely, you know, going smaller. I think that's really easy to see. But I think more than that, even, like, that's obvious, is just kind of the refinement of the shapes, you know, what works. People seem to really be dialing into that, you know, so. Stuff like, you know, Colin McPhillips, his, you know, 9-0 shape is, you know, essentially like a longboard shape, but it's made to be surfed 
high performance and the stuff that you can do on a board like that is pretty amazing compared to like a long board of, of three years ago. Um, and that goes for the shorter boards as well. Um, people are definitely, you know, pushing the limits uh, with design. And I think we're seeing that transfer over to people surfing, you know, like uh, Giorgio and, and Mo and guys like Kai, you know, there's just, they're definitely pushing the limits. And I think a lot of that is the result of the refinement uh, of that equipment for sure. Um, I guess for other trends, I mean, it's just continually spreading this thing. I think one of the biggest ones that I've noticed, especially over the last couple seasons and this El Nino season in particular has just been big wave stuff. Um, and the amount of guys out there, uh, getting big waves on, on stand-up boards is, uh, seems to be growing and, uh, they seem to be gaining more respect, which is really cool to see for sure. I definitely want to dive into that a little bit later, but in, in regards to what you're seeing, a couple of folks that have been on the show and then in some other conversations, there's two things that I've, that I've heard and I'd like to, to see what your take on them is. And that is that there's a consolidation of board manufacturers right now, a consolidation in the industry there. And then also this year has been a little bit down uh, from some folks that I've talked to in terms of sales of boards. Do you think that's because of the price point in boards? Do you think that there's actually a contraction in the market? I mean, are you thinking that there's more stand-up paddle surfers today than there were a year ago? Is the sport continuing to grow? And then it's just that people can't buy a new board every six months because of the price point? Or do you think that it is um, there's any contraction there in the sport? Um, I don't think it's just purely contraction. Um, kind of my theory on that whole thing is I think there that we've – captured and by we i mean the industry as a whole uh have kind of captured those easy core users that were you know basically primed to be stand-up paddlers and stand-up paddle surfers um so i think we've kind of done the easy picking um and i think the challenge now for the industry um as for board manufacturers it's the challenge for me as a producer of a magazine is creating new core stand-up paddlers. So that, that to me is the major challenge. Um, I think getting people from, you know, just touring or just kind of paddling around, getting them to enter their first race or getting them out in their, in the waves for the first time, getting them comfortable on, you know, whatever they want. So they buy a new board, so they pick up a magazine, uh, so they support the industry. I think that's kind of the important thing over the next few years. I think, you know, we need to, to create that. We need to keep pushing that. And I think that's an industry-wide uh, effort that needs to happen. And that's what I would agree with there, too, as well. Um, I know as far as PaddleWoo goes, our downloads are growing. And so I have two metrics that I check on Paddle. One is the overall listens, which I'm somewhat concerned with, but those can go of, uh, depending on the content and how viral it is. You know, if the inertia gets a weird headline on something, um, you know, one of the podcasts that I did with Dave Kalama had 10,000 listens in mm -hmm. like 36 hours. And that wasn't because they were all paddle fans. It was because the title sounded a little bit, um, 
controversial. And so you had yeah. a bunch of people want to tune in for that. So that's one metric that I look at. But the other metric that I look at is how many phones I'm on. And yeah. that metric is steadily growing. And, um, mm -hmm. and really in the last couple months, it, we kind of plateaued there at the end of last year. And then really in the last two months now, we're on an uptick again. So I thought that we had plateaued and now we're um, growing in, 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 on more phones. So I would, I would venture to say that there's a lot of people out there kind of in my boat where when I fell in love with the sport, I was going through, you know, a good number of boards. And then as you learn what you like and you get that magic board, the need isn't there. And so your pace of, of purchase goes down a bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I see that myself uh, with, you know, my personal board selection. You know, it's like you, you fill out the quiver and then it's like only when you break a board really or, you know, you always want another one, but it's like a matter, can you afford it? What can you do? You know, I'm luckily in the position where I work in the industry and can just get stuff on, on loan to demo for a while. And we test boards here at the magazine. So, you know, that's super fun. That kind of fills that, that need for me and, you know, leads to me buying fewer boards, um, which of course that isn't supporting the industry. So yeah, I think that's probably definitely part of the phenomenon as well. Well, let's dive into that right now. What boards have you been testing? What do you like? What do you normally surf? Um, you know, so I, I get to try a little bit of everything and I'm honestly kind of, I'm one of those, I will ride whatever boards are, are called uh, for the conditions, you know? Um, so a, a lot of the time, like a board that I've had in my quiver for a while, that's just kind of like the the go-to is uh, it's a JP Australia. I think their standard like production shape. Um, that's like an eight eight two. I think it's like 101 liters or something like that. Um, I'm about six three, 185 pounds, so it's it's a little floaty for me. But it's one of those boards that I know I can surf in any conditions, um, and that's that's no problem. Um, but, you know, I'll hop on whatever the new offering is from Starboard or, you know, hang out with Bainey and ride one of his, you know, round nose blurs and, um, you know, always trying something new or something from the crew at Focus Up and, you know, Pat Ross. And um, so I'm definitely open. You know, I, had, I surf the longboard subs. I love those as well. Um, and then... You know, I also still shortboard. I haven't given that up, so I ride everything from like a, you know, five eight little stubby guy to you know little twin fin fishes to your stock standard shortboard um, up through longboards as well. I definitely stand up, kind of opened my eyes to just being like, hey, let's let's ride whatever whatever can get you on the water. Um, so that's kind of my my main main thing i want to get on the water no matter what and uh i'm more stoked to, to do it when i have the the right equipment so i love shortboarding as well i'm now probably at about 80 20 70 30 depending on you know conditions and swell yeah uh, on the stand-up side now um what's your what kind of your balance there between shortboarding and stand-up and then what do you appreciate about stand-up what do you appreciate about uh, shortboarding for me, there's some very specific things that I enjoy doing in each of those different uh, variations of the sport of surfing. Uh, how do you see those? Yeah, well, I 
I suppose the the balance, I mean, it, versus stop surfing, like right now I'm kind of in a, a training phase for some downwind stuff that I'm going to be doing this season. Um, so I, I'm kind of more on, on the fitness side, you know, and, and stop surfing a little less. And actually we've been in like a lull from El Nino, so I've just been kind of surfing less in general. But, you know, my ratio is probably close to that, like, you know, 30, 70 or 40, 60 maybe for me towards stand-up, like the amount of time I, I spend on the stand-up uh, versus shortboard. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the I guess the advantages with stand-up are, right, you can catch a ton of waves. Love, love that. Um, for me, that leads to me wanting to surf places where there aren't as many surfers in general. It doesn't matter if it's a stand-up surfer or a prone surfer, whatever it is. I just like to be able to like paddle all around. So I surf a lot of open beach break um, and, and try to just find waves where I can. I enjoy that, that searching aspect that you get with the SUP. Um, and you can just kind of cruise around and, and troll and just kind of, kind of figure things out that way. That's definitely an advantage. That line of sight is amazing. Um, and yeah, just the, the movement is fun. I also like once you're on the wave, um, coming from like the technical aspects of surfing that the paddle is just such a good tool for technique. Uh, you know, you plant it and your, your shoulders naturally rotate. So, you know, sometimes on a shortboard you can get crossed up on stuff. Well, the paddle forces you by, when you put it in one place, it forces you into good technique if you're using it correctly. Um, and to me, that's like a, that's a major advantage. I think I, I find myself falling less, even when I'm trying, you know, some radical stuff, trying to like go off the lip or slide the fins or like do a layback. It's like, oh, I can pull off more stuff because the paddle is there, um, which I really enjoy. Um, on the shortboard side, I just, you know, there's the... I guess the sheer performance of it, it's really fun to be able to, to fit into those tight pockets. Um, you know, the sheer speed and redirection that you can do is really fun. <clears throat> there aren't a ton of uh, barrels always on offer here in Southern California, but um, I definitely find it easier to get barreled on a shortboard for the most part. I'm mostly backside with up. I have gotten some serious destruction trying to pull in <laughs> on uh, steep waves backside. But uh, I think they just, they both, for me, they like really have their place. And I think they just really complement themselves well. I don't think of it as separate. To me, it's just riding waves. And, and you know, that's what I'm passionate about. And that's where I've landed too. I, I just look at it as two different approaches to the same sport. And wow. Maybe this is a good time to jump into a, a, a segue nicely here. Um, so your parent company also owns Surfer Magazine. Yep. And I believe in the future that paddle surfing is going to be looked at. It might take five years. It might take 10 years. I don't know. But it's going to be looked at at some point just as another way to ride waves. Um, do you converse with the guys over at Surfer? Are there people that see that aspect or is there a pretty uh a pretty defined line there between the paddle surfing and the surfing 
from um, their side? Um, I think there's definitely a line, and I, you know, I, th- I think it would be a disservice like not to to say that. But that said, we also own Surfing Magazine as well. Um, so we've got these two major, like the two major surf titles in America are like here in the office. Um, and, but that line, it, it kind of disappears and dissolves at times because, you know, I, I'll see those guys in the water, sometimes on a sup, sometimes on a shortboard. And, you know, it's the same thing that you see when you're in the water with like a good sup surfer people are like, oh, well, they could do that, or oh, they can do this. And I'll talk to a photographer, and they'll have been shooting on the North Shore, and they'll be like, I ran across Mo Freitas, he was at Sunset, and he was like the best surfer out there, you know? Um, so it's, it slowly, I think it goes back and forth, but uh, I think when people see that you're a surfer, that you know what you're doing, that you're respectful, um, and you know that you're just as dedicated to the craft of riding waves that goes a long ways um you know i'm not the type of person to be out there like confronting people about it i would rather just i'm a show rather than tell type of person um so to me that just means uh you know being polite in the water proving my my skill and uh, I think that that gains a lot of respect with, uh, you know, those crews, but in the world beyond. That goes for everybody out there in the water. You know, we're all representatives of the sport. So how do you approach seeing someone in the water who is definitely new to the sport of paddle surfing? probably pretty decent paddling somewhere else, but paddling out into a lineup. And I, this is something that I actually had a situation like this today. There was a guy who was surfing right in the middle of, of the peak. And so I surf um, my local beach. I've been surfing here for 10 years and I still surf the main peak and um, I'm friends with all the locals and everything. And it's, and it's cool. Um, there was a guy who paddled out there who definitely, you know, could catch waves, but was putting his, board and some positions that maybe he shouldn't have been doing with people around and things like that. How do you, um, as someone who's trying to, you know, um, grow an industry and a sport handle a situation like that, where you, you, uh, see something that may not be, you know, the best thing happening, but still wanting to keep everything kosher and encourage that. Yeah. Um, I try to have a good think about it first like what's the best way to approach this situation how bad is it you know how bad does this look um you know do i need to say something and you know i've had plenty of experiences where it's like yeah it's got to be done you know just like two guys for instance you know, everyone's sitting on the peak, two guys that don't really know what they're doing, but know how to catch waves, paddle around everybody on the peak, and then, you know, take off one, two on the first two set waves that, that roll through. You know, in that case, that happens once, and you're like, well, that, that's weird, and they paddle back out to the peak, past the peak again. That's just me, like, I have to paddle out there, and be like, hey, guys, you know, I, 
generally like try not to like get into what I do. Although around here, I, I always run into people that I that I know in the lineup. I'm just like, hey, you know, I basically point over to the group and I'm like, hey, these guys are basically like waiting in in line over here, and essentially, you know, what you guys are doing is is cutting in line i would really appreciate it you know if if we could just kind of keep the line going um i know that you know you have this craft that you could do it on but really the respectful thing to do is kind of uh you know mix it up with these guys um and usually people are pretty uh pretty good about it and they they're kind of understanding they might paddle off to another peak or something um i've never gotten into a uh a really bad scenario over over something like that. Um, you know, they might just make like a kind of little gesture and still be like, you know, flaunting the r- rules a little bit. But I've never had it go beyond that. Usually, they just kind of adjust and and it's okay. You know. Yeah, it's something that I always think about because I'm such an advocate of the sport, but then I feel like I'm hating on the sport every once in a while. Um, you know, with, with, with some people that I see out in the lineup and I, I feel bad about it, but at the same time, it's, you've got to keep the lineup. Uh, I think that there's a, there's something to be said for having the view of the surfers in the lineup, a certain thing about stand up, And when that starts to kind of move towards a different direction and maybe people are in a little bit of danger and then you don't want people talking about that after the session. Um, yeah. And so I always yeah. kind of err on the side of being a little bit probably sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like you're kind of in the same, in the same mindset there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think respect just goes a long ways, and I'm, <laughs> I'm personally a big advocate of just being polite in life in general. I think it really is just helpful, um, and I, I realize that uh, you know a lot of people might not agree with me. More people might be confrontational, but you know, to me the waves are a limited resource uh and you know we have to share and and to me it's we are all just surfers i don't like thinking about it as uh oh they're prone surfers we're stand-up paddle surfers i think we're just surfers and i feel like that's the way forward is to just try to integrate instead of separate there's a lot of people that say Oh, you know, we're sub surfers. I'd I'd never, you know, prone surf again, and I feel like that's just, you know, a little close-minded. I understand it because I love it too, but I I feel like, you know, to be part of the wave riding tribe, uh, you know, we all have to coexist, and I think you know the best way to do that is to to be polite and just you know kind of kind of earn the respect of of everybody out there yeah you know while you were chatting there i was i was thinking back to kind of when i was growing up in st augustine and florida i grew up in gainesville florida but i I surfed in st augustine florida grew up a couple uh like an hour and a half away from the coast and so we'd go over there on you know full-on weekend warriors at best Mm -hmm. and go over there and uh, i mean you get put in your place pretty quickly by some locals um, and I think that that teaches you some of that respect. And so someone who's learning stand up, say in their thirties or forties, and then can paddle right out to the peak, they never went through that hazing that surfing will give you. Mm-hmm. 
and so that probably um maybe is a is a maybe not a necessary part of the process but definitely makes you look at a lineup differently when you've been called out by a much bigger dude who wants to beat you up when you're 13 years old <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think that's part of the reason why you know people who are aware of etiquette need to go talk to people that aren't, you know. And and like I was explaining, you don't need to be rude about it. You shouldn't be rude about it. But there is some, there is a learning curve, and and that's the funny thing about like surfing. You know, most of the rules aren't like usually aren't written down somewhere. It's not like in every issue of Surfer Magazine. I remember blundering away and getting yelled at by the older guys in my hometown um, and being like, oh, well, that's how you you learn. You can't learn it all by uh, just like reading something or getting on the internet. Maybe it's out there somewhere, but really like, you know, the way to do it is to, to get out there. So if you have a chance to like help someone out, I, I think you you should, you know, how receptive they are or not will be, you know, up to their personality and discretion. But, uh, you know, hopefully it, it goes well and, you know, we all come out the better for it. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears a bit. Um, Sup the Mag now is running two large events a year. You guys, this last year, undertook the Pacific Paddle Games and for a few years now you've been doing the Sup Awards. Let's yep. start with... Uh, the Pacific Paddle Games, and how did you guys decide that you wanted to be a part and take over after Battle of the Paddle kind of went away, and how do you see the success of that event for the first year? Um, you know, that was a, it was a pretty easy decision for us in that, um, you know, we had been at every Battle of the Paddle. You know, we know the, the cultural cachet that, I, that it had, I mean, it was, you know, the race. Um, and to see it go away took the wind out of the sails of a lot of people. Um, and so for us, it just felt like the right thing to do for the sport. Um, you know, we have a great events team here um, that are uh, awesome at, at doing these things they do everything from motocross races to surf contests to award shows so they're well versed in it um and so we're like okay can we do that you know can we get the industry support behind it we thought we could do that um so yeah very soon after i had had taken on the head honcho role here uh we made the decision to do that as well um and it was quite the undertaking, but uh, I could not be happier with you know how it went. It was it was a ton of work. I'm I'm pretty young. I don't think I have gray hair yet, but if I do have a couple, it's pro it's from that event for sure. Um, but you know it was so fun to see and just being such a fan of the sport. You know, watching the the finishes, people sprinting. You know, like. Connor and Danny sprinting up the beach. I was literally jumping up and down, you know, while I was filming that, going, "Oh my gosh, like I can't believe this is happening!" And if I can get that, who you know, did so much to to put on the event with our team, if I can still get excited when I'm dog tired and sleeping four hours a night, um, I think 
you know, if that means we're, we're doing something right. Um, and we're already in full swing for, for this year. Um, we should be, you know, starting the full, you know, media, um, media press and pushing everything out there starting here really soon. Um, we're really excited about, about where it's going and, uh, Man, it's just it it's so fun to to watch it all happen. I watched the event. I came out for the Stand Up World Tour event, uh hang out hung out with Colin a bit in San mm-hmm. Clemente and then left before the Pacific Paddle Games. So we were freshly home when the event happened. So I watched the whole thing online and the finish of the sprint race, uh, Mo, that was in that was incredible, especially after his bad beat in Huntington. Um mm-hmm. That was a, that was an amazing amazing race to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean his performance there in the finals was you know, something to remember. I guess a field like that, it's just a testament to you know what an athlete that guy is. From I mean to being such an incredible surfer, I mean such an incredible racer. I mean he's obviously putting in the time, training and, and stuff as well, but. Uh, that was fun to watch, and just the the waves that weekend were just uh, incredible. I think that's probably the best I've ever uh, seen Doheny. Now I've only lived here for you know like four or so years, but um, it was the waves were great. It was really cool. Have you thought about adding a surf component to the Pacific Paddle Games? Yeah, that's been uh, a, a talk since the beginning, and and. Uh, something we're definitely thinking about. I think the main thing with something like this is we try to, we're always trying to push and uh, do like the next big thing, but it's also like, okay, we got to be conservative and make sure that we can deliver on what we're saying. So to us, it's just really important to do everything top notch um, so I think what you're going to see in the next five years of the Pacific Paddle Games is a lot of additions, a lot of sharpening of everything that we've, we'll be doing traditionally, um, but you know, in a way that makes sense and I think works every single year. You know, we, we don't want to have failures. We want to make sure it's right. So if we ha- are do a surf contest, we want that to be a really good surf contest. So um, that's just that's just kind of the way that we're approaching it, and uh, you know I think it's it's the right way, and I think it just makes for for a solid event that you know the vast majority of people are happy with. So I, I hope we get there, um, but I, I'm not sure when that will become a reality. Were there any moments in the preparation for the event where you were like, oh my goodness, this whole thing it's going to be really tough to to pull off i'm sure it was a huge undertaking <laughs> yeah well you know we decided to do it like actually made the decision probably six months before the event was there so putting on an event of that scale and that amount of time i don't care how big your team is building it from the ground up um is really intense so to answer your question there were a lot of moments where i definitely was was freaking out um or is trying to balance making magazines with creating this this new new format for stuff and 
um, exactly how we're going to get down to the nitty gritty, to the board classes, to everything, just the, the details, which I think are what make an event great. Um, sometimes feel like, like they're going to kill you. Um, but that said, you get in, you know, that the, once you get into the week of it happening, it's like, all right, it's here. I felt, and for me, I've always kind of thrived on deadlines. Once I get to the week before the event, I'm like, this event is going to be over in one week and I'm still going to be alive. Like that, that, that's what, that's what I tell myself. Life is, life is going to continue and, and we're going to have pulled it off. And, you know, I try to set as high a standard as I can. I'm like, okay. And I'm going to have pulled it off well. So it's like, that's it. So that week of the sub awards and PPG is just full whirlwind, but it's, you I think you have to just be like, all right, I'm confident, we're confident, the whole team is doing it um, and doing their jobs, and it's going to be great. So there are definitely moments of doubt, but, uh, you know, we have a great crew. Um, They've got to give a lot of props to them. And, uh, yeah. How big of an organization is Sup the Mag? Uh, Maybe not as big as you might imagine. So (laughs) there is myself... Um, our digital editor, Mike Misselwitz, um, he oversees the website and our social media. I work on a lot of that stuff as well, um, but he's definitely down in the, in the nitty gritty. Um, then we have our sales and marketing manager, Andrew Menchinski. Um, he was big in uh, the creation and, and the vision of PPG last year. Um, and that really is like the the immediate staff that's only for SUP. Um, Then we have a photo editor, Aaron Schmidt. We share him with Canoe and Kayak Magazine. And we have our designer, Parker Meek. We share him with Canoe and Kayak Magazine as well. Um, Those guys do a fantastic job for us and then balancing that job. But like Parker will do the design. You know, Aaron ran the photo team for PPG. You know, Mike's doing the digital stuff. And then we have like a whole crew of, of freelancers that we work with really closely, contributing editors, um, stuff like that. And then we have the events team for 10, the Enthusiast Network as well. And they're the people that are on the ground actually like setting up scaffolding and stuff for the event, putting TVs in place, double checking stuff, you know, um, that kind of thing. So, you know, we've got great resources here, but it's a... We're definitely a, a small team, and uh, we are often stretched to our limit. Yeah, and so pretty close in time there to the Pacific Paddle Games was the SUP Awards as well. And so you guys were managing that at the same time? Yeah, it's two days before the event, or before the PPG, we have SUP Awards. Um, you know, we traditionally did it before BOP. Um, everybody is in town and it made for like a really festive atmosphere. So, um, we just were like, Oh, this is no reason to break this. It's been working great, um, for five years now. So, um, yeah, we kept that the same. And I used to think that the sub words was really stressful before PPG. <laughs> um, and then together it's like a completely different beast, but, Really, that that night is so special to us. Um, it's really, really fun to have everybody um, in in one room. Everyone's always so excited. 
Um, it's really fun to, uh, you know, have people up on stage and get people dressed up. Um, and, you know, everyone's just really pretty wonderful in this world. Everyone's really thankful. Thank you for putting this on. We really appreciate it. It's great. You know, we have a great time putting it all together, creating the videos um, and, you know, the run of show and then just throwing a party for uh, a great industry. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a really fun time. And uh, but yeah, challenging with everything else. And I also don't like speaking in public, uh, speaking into this uh, computer and to you is much easier for me uh, than it is to get up in front of 400 people and talk. But, um, you know, it's, it's, that's a good exercise too. And I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to do that. Um, and so something you mentioned there about the people in the sport, what are the commonalities that you see in the athletes um, in the sport of stand-up compared to maybe surfing or, or at ESPN.com. I don't know if you had uh, contact with athletes there too, but uh, what, do you, what do you think about stand-up paddlers as a group of individuals? Uh, one of the first things that comes to mind to me is that they're just really open-minded. Um, I think there's a certain aspect because some of the stigmas of stand-up paddling that you have to be like, I don't care as much what people think. Um, and I think that alone sets people up for uh, being pretty easy to like get along with. You know, they're, they're not like holding on to, to things as much. They're like, oh, I'm just comf more comfortable with myself. So um, that's, of course, a generalization. But I think it's definitely true in a lot of cases. So these are people who just are following their passion, you know, what they like to do. They do it because it, it feels good and it fulfills them. Um, and I think when you have that kind of mindset, it kind of opens you up to all these other things. You know, maybe SUP is the first thing that you've tried that's been, you know, a little out of the mainstream or whatever and then that opens you up to all these other things to try i think we all know someone that you know started racing and then pretty soon they're doing molokai to oahu and they're paddling outrigger you know it like it transforms people's lives and i think that it's very very reflected in the community um and so there's that open-mindedness um, and that I think also leads to people that are generally pretty, pretty polite as well. You know, um, they, they want to get along with other people, um, and are just willing to, to talk to you. And I think that's unusual for, um, for a sport. I also do some, you know, participate in some other sports like rock climbing or like mountain biking or snowboarding. And I've never really found one that's as open as stand-up paddling is, which I think is definitely a testament to the sport. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked a few guests and then Kalama asked me on the last podcast. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you were the head honcho for uh, stand-up paddle surfing, let's keep it at surfing here. Mm -hmm. um, what would you, what would your priorities be? What would you do for the sport? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think having a world tour is definitely a good thing. Um, you know, who heads that world tour, who runs that world tour, where it should be, you know, those are all some serious questions uh, that, you know, have to be dealt with. And I think, you know, people are, are trying to deal with them. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's obviously a lot of questions about that at the moment. But I think, you know, that's, that's a, a backbone of it, you know, that I think there needs to, to be something like that. There needs to be a body. Um, maybe it's just more surf contests, sub-surf contests in general that uh, we need to see. But I think there has to be an outlet like that. You know, sponsors love it. Athletes love it. You know, I think that is, is very cool. Um, you know, as far as boards and what people are riding and, and how to decide that, does it need to be decided? I personally don't think so. I think, you know, uh, stand up is kind of had this advanced growth over like what surfing has had. And I think it's because of some of the stuff that surfing's gone through in that people in SUP are, are very open-minded to equipment. And it's my personal viewpoint that, you know, people shouldn't be limited on, you know, is it s small boards? Is it big boards? It's like, you know, what do you want to see? Um, you know, what do you want to ride, I guess, is the thing. Um, so, but I, I don't know what that looks like. Do we need, like, a longboard sup division in surf contests. I think that would be a really cool thing. Does it need to be a tour itself? I don't know that there are enough people, you know, doing that specifically and doing it at that level that it needs to be. Um, and then as far as getting it out there, you're the, the president. I think what's been nice to, to see lately is stuff like your progression project that you're working on, you know, like Kai's movie. Um, I think we need to have those outlets. Um, I think it's really cool that there are guys out there that are doing more of the lifestyle thing, like, uh, you know, you're Noah Janela or, you know, Giorgio to some extent. And I think, you know, Cody Kerbox, like these guys that are doing a little bit of everything but are taking a little more of a lifestyle approach to it you know, that didn't exist in surfing for, you know, like a, you know, a couple decades. I mean, of course, that's how it started is people doing it in a lifestyle. But, you know, there are people that are already doing that in SUP. You know, they're not like making crazy money or anything like that. But I think pushing that side of the sport um, is very important as well. Just showing that it's fun, you know, that you can travel the world. And um, I think that inspires people as well um did i answer your, your question yeah. with that i just like pretty broad but no i liked it i was just listening um yeah i i agree on the lifestyle thing i go back and forth between thinking that and i actually believe that both avenues are beautiful and necessary but stand-up really lends itself to being you know the kind of free surfer mentality i mean just the just the flexibility and the freedom that you have on a stand-up i think 
can be captured there in that free surfing mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I think what Noah wants to do, um, I think it's great. I think that there will be more fans for that than anyone realizes right now. I mean, if you had a guy like Noah or Giorgio traveling the world and dropping like not three minute edits, but like real clips, like 20, 30 minutes of his adventures and, you know, the whole thing, I think people would eat that up. Definitely. Definitely. I and mean, I don't think it needs to be real high budget. I don't think it needs to be something that's too expensive to put together. I think that. You know, Noah could travel with one film guy. Noah can put together great edits himself. I don't know if you saw his last Alaya video, but I think it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a talent. And, you know, he has that that eye for these things and, like, how to market himself. And that's really important as well, you know. We talked about it with, on, uh, with Colin uh, Kalama and Bainey down here. And then when we were trading some emails back and forth, you mentioned the same topic, which is the personalities that are going to give legitimacy to the sport. So a guy like Kai Lenny um, can do a lot more for the sport just by showcasing his talents across multiple platforms than maybe something like what Paddlewoo is trying to do because the audience for Paddlewoo is going to be people that already – are drinking the Kool-Aid and, and yeah. Kai's going to get out there and really grab people that aren't yet on the bandwagon. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole thing and who are those guys that we are relying on to bring new fans into the sport? I mean, Kai is the first obvious answer. I mean, he, I don't know if he sleeps or, you know, <laughs> what he does. It's just like the guys nonstop. Every time I, you know, I set something up with him or interview him, you know, he's so together and has it all dialed. Um, you know, it's the way he, he lives his life. I mean, he has it organized and he's, he's doing the things, you know, that he wants to do. Um, and it's just kind of, it's amazing to watch. I mean, this past year at Jaws, you know, saying that he got more time out of the Jaws this year than in the past three years combined. I mean, he was in every single swell. Um, you know, I saw pictures of him everywhere. It's to the point where it's like you feel desensitized when three years ago you'd have seen one of those pictures and you would have stopped and like stared at your computer screen for like five minutes. You know, now it's like there's one of those coming out a week, you know. Um, and we have a gallery going up on the website next week that like highlights some of that, some of the other guys like uh, Connor and Zane surfing Jaws as well. Um, but it's just like that is that's incredible to to w- watch someone get out there and surf eight ten hours a day at on like fifty foot waves. It's just crazy, um, you know. So, but he's also he's got that that mass appeal too. Like he's got what that Tag Heuer sponsorship. You know, he's been in GQ. You know, he's a good, good-looking guy. He knows how to market himself too. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's 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 easy. But um, you know, then you get into guys like like Mo, who puts out really cool edits. <clears throat> who you know maybe isn't like a a marketing master like Kai is, but you know anywhere, <clears throat> excuse me, that Mo goes, 
he's making friends. He's he's one of those type of guys. He's super nice. He's polite. And then you just see this natural talent on the water, um, and you're you you can't deny that. You can't can't not see how natural he is out there. Um, so that's really cool to see. And then you know watching Connor surf, watching Connor race, like all all this stuff. I mean he lives to paddle as well and i think just just showcasing what you know what these guys are doing i mean it's it's getting out there i think it's you know having an effect and i think you know that those guys you like transcend these genres and you know stories that are going to be classic that are going to be told for years to come like kai and connor you know as friends but also like these racing uh, foes against each other. I mean, that's the stuff that I think is really going to take the sport to the next level. It would be interesting to know what their their real relationship is, you know, like, because I know that they've got to be competing for the same stuff, and that's got to be really hard to be friends and go that hard at each other. Yeah, I I always <clears throat> wonder about that too, and they're both very professional they're both super nice guys and i know that you know they do have a good friendship that's that's for sure but uh i don't think you know i don't know that we'll ever know exactly how much of a strain it is for them to race all i know is that when you see them you know coming down the the line and they're riding the same wave to the finish line that they both want to win as bad as the other one for sure yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the perception of paddle surfing for a minute and being someone who is in charge of the perception for one of the largest outlets out there. What do you think should be in front of people? How do you think that the greater public perceives the sport currently and what can we do? What are you doing to try to get the reality of what's happening um, out to the masses. So I guess it's starting with, um, really presenting the sport in a way that is, uh, inspiring, but also accessible. Um, I think it's a battle for anyone in the media business. Um, it's like, how core do you go um, while still inviting people in. It's a conversation that we have across the disciplines of SUP, um, but especially about surfing. You know, we see our metrics online. I'll be, I'll be looking at how an Instagram photo does of, you know, someone like Kalama ripping like a really serious, like high-performance turn, and I'll look at how that does compared to someone, you know, just like nose-riding on a knee-high wave. And our audience, a lot of the time, um, will like the kind of what you'd say, like a softer image better. That's not to say, like, we have a very steady following on the high performance stuff. Like, I could just tell you how well something's going to do because I know that all the high performance people that are following us are going to like that. So there's that is connected to it. But then there's the other stuff, the inspirational stuff, as I look at it that kind of invites people in. And, you know, from my viewpoint, you just kind of have to have both of those things. I think that's, 
that's an important aspect. Um, like I was saying earlier in the conversation, we need to be inviting people into this sport because that's how it's going to continue to grow. You know, then they'll grow into the type of people that are like, oh, well, I could probably do a high-performance turn. Because um, a lot of people, when they're starting, I, I think there's just you don't understand what goes into it. You know, you and I and a certain demographic in the sport will look at it and be like, wow, that is incredibly technical or like, wow, that barrel is like really big. Um, you know, while someone uh, else would look at it and just be like, oh, well, that's just like a gnarly surf photo, you know, and it doesn't really get past that stage in their mind, I think. So, um, you know, that's that's what we're we're trying to do. We want people to to get out there. I love seeing stuff um, like like your camp down there. You know, inviting people down to surf to hone their skills to figure out these new things. And you know, there's a lot of them a lot of them out there. I think that's an important step. Um, I think you know, being in the lineup and being approached by a more um, experienced paddler who's friendly, but is like, oh, here are kind of the rules. You know, that means you're you're kind of getting into the the sport more. You're you're learning. If you're receptive to that, you know, you're you're going to be coming in and becoming part of the tribe. You know, so you know, I think we got to continue with that kind of thing. I think we still got to continue pushing the limits. I think you know, there's got to be a yearly. Uh, video like a movie that really shows what's going on in the state of sup sup surfing specifically every year i think that's important um you know because because you need to show that bar and i think uh, you know other people need to see that and that that will change minds how many minds i'm not sure but i think it's important to have that that backbone there um and i think it's just important for people to just keep having fun with it. The more people that we can show the sport to, the more people that we can get out in the waves, um, you know, the happier uh, everyone's going to be. And that's really, for me, the the big thing is, like, I just want more people to get on the water. For my personal happiness, like, it does wonders. Um, so many of my friends and family are water people and, and paddlers and surfers, and I know what it brings to their lives. And really, that's why I do what I do. I want to inspire people to to get on the water and and share that. And I think, you know, doing all those things is is the way forward. Yeah, and going back to. Um comment that you made earlier in that conversation about an um perception do you think that what do you think the surfer a normal surfer this is a ter terribly worded question i'm going to edit part of that out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not now because it's so funny um what do you think surfing's perception of stand-up is do you think what what percentage of surfers do you think understand how much is going on when they see someone surfing a stand-up at a high performance level and, and know how technically difficult it actually is. Cause I find it much more technically difficult than surfing a shortboard. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think the perception is changing and kind of what colors that for me is, um, 
you know, in my position, sometimes it can be kind of stressful or disheartening to read all the comments on forums. This includes like surfing, just pure surfing forums or comments on Facebook posts about SUP uh, that are just like out there in the, in the broad world. But uh, I, I do see a change in, in what people are thinking. And I think that changes. People are realizing that there, there, are, there are groups of, of people out there that are on SUPs that are surfing really well, that are respectful and are are good in the lineups, and like they will be uh, accepted in, you know. And I think I see that come up in discussions now. Like, oh, not all of these people are kooks. Like that's their their language, you know. Um, but it's I think making that transition like we've been talking about is continuing we need to continue to educate continue to you know show the etiquette um, and then continue to show the performance as well and I think that 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 mindset will will slowly erode as it did with you know like long words coming back on the the scene in the you know 90s early 2000s, you know, where people are like, oh, I hate longboards, but now they coexist pretty much everywhere. It's just a matter of, of respect and being, you know, entered into the lineup. And I, I think that it's honestly not that, that far away. I think we just, you know, need to keep at it and be diligent. Um, all right. So wrapping up here, Maybe you have a funny answer to this one, maybe not. What's the biggest drama situation you've had to deal with as head of the magazine? Some sort of outlandish internet snafu, some sort of weird... Anything jump to mind? Um, hmm. You know, this is kind of like the business of, of fires, I guess you would say. You know, there's always something going wrong. Um with whether it's getting uh, something, a, a name wrong on the website, which luckily happens very rarely, to something being uh, misprinted in the magazine, to, you know, a brand being unhappy with, you know, how they're portrayed or, you know, not delivering on something. Um, I guess, like, really, like luckily fingers crossed and like just saying this like gives me major anxiety just thinking about it is that i haven't had any like gigantic explosions um it's just uh small stuff that happens that you know we're kind of constantly dealing with that said for me i guess like the standard thing is once we send a magazine to press like i have I dream about typos like and to me like one thing like a, an s missing off the end of a word or a comma or something like that I'm a total word nerd I was like a copy editor in college and I, I just live in fear of that and getting letters from from our readers you know saying that we you know miss this or miss that or how could we not include this you know so yeah, I, I wish I had a, a really great story for you on that one. 
but it's more just like a constant battle of uh you know trying to do the the best work we can portraying this awesome sport in the best light we can um and and just making it happen i just want to do it all justice uh journalistically and from the sports background beautiful well will thank you very much for taking time out of your day to come and uh and chat with us um i appreciate the conversation thank you eric thanks for the opportunity it was fun it's the paddle podcast